Good morning. How's everybody doing well? So good to be with you this morning and to worship with you. We are jumping back into the book of Acts this morning, and we used that video to kind of catch you up to speed to where we've been throughout the first 12 chapters. We'll be picking up in Acts chapter 13 today. Uh, we've done this in three parts now. Part one was called Empowered, and if you missed any of those sermons, you can go back online or onto our app, and you can listen in and catch up uh, earlier um, on the earlier sermons. And then we did part two called Shift, just this change that God brought about. And then today we're kicking off part three called Journeys. And it's going to become really clear why we call this part Journeys. There's a lot of movement happening uh, in the book of Acts as a result of the gospel. In fact, um, this movement that had begun about Jesus Christ, it was because of people's excitement. You know, there were a lot of people that hopped on the road the last couple of weeks to drive to Omaha. Why? They wanted to be involved in something that was incredible, and win or lose, it was an incredible run, right? So much more, the early followers of Jesus literally hit the road because they wanted to share something that was incredible. We talk about incredible, what do you mean? We're talking about God sending his one and only son to live here among people like you and I and to do it perfectly, for him to lay down his life on the cross, for them to put nails in his hands and nails in his feet, and for him to die a horrific death, but three days later, come back from the dead. They couldn't get over it. Their lives had been forever changed, and they wanted to share it with everyone they possibly could. Today we're going to see a moment in the early church that literally brings us to gather, to gather today. This movement that began, this movement that began to really explode takes place in Acts chapter 13. Well, as these people in Acts chapter 13, believers like you and I, decided to obey God, it definitely brought about some some, I think some words that we could use to describe what they felt and what they experienced in that day in obeying God. And these are words that I would believe uh, describe our experience today when we obey God. Here's some words for you. Words like hard, uncomfortable, scary, risky. That's why you showed up today, right? You wanted to be uncomfortable, right? That's why you came to church today, right? I want to go to church today because I want to be uncomfortable, I want to be scared. Yeah, I want to show up to church today so that I can get scared. I, 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 want, to, I want to do risky things. That's why you came to church today, right? I'm going to tell you that if you start listening to God and you start obeying him, these words will start describing your experience. But the, the words continue to um, come. Words like go, words like faith, and these words, worth it, apply as well when we obey God. So don't be surprised as we continue to look at the book of Acts if these words don't start describing some of the feelings and the emotions that you have as you hear from God. Don't be surprised that as we, your pastors, lead you as a church, some of these words start to describe the way you feel and the experience that you're having because I'm here to tell you that when we hear God and we obey God, these words many times describe our experience. Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 is where all of this begins. What we're going to read today is a fulfillment of it. I want to read Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. 
These are the last words of Jesus. This is what Jesus wants his church to do, okay? This is what he left them with. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, we talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in the first part of our series in Acts called Empowered. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, I believe that what we just read has been happening. Why do I think it happened and is happening? Because we're sitting here today. A lot of faithful men and a lot of faithful women over the last 2,000 years have experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ, were so overwhelmed by it, so changed by it, that they had to share it with others. And as they went around the world, they began to share it with others. And here we are today on the other side of the world where all of this began. I don't know if you know this or not, but Israel's on the other side of the world. And here we are today, 2018, worshiping our risen Savior because of this movement that Jesus began and because of his followers obeying it. The gospel just can't be stopped. Well, now let's look at Acts chapter 13. Pick up in the story in the book of Acts and read what is going on here in the church in Antioch. So again, as you um, heard in the video, a major shift from Jerusalem, which was kind of the epicenter for a while, to really Antioch, which becomes quite the epicenter of Christianity. Not the only place that things are happening, but it really is the church that is really grabbing hold of this commission and this commandment that Jesus gave them. And we're going to see the beginning of that now. Antioch's about 500 miles to the north of Jerusalem. And I would say in today's standards, 500 miles is a pretty good distance. In those days, 500 miles was a long, long way away. And so we find them in Antioch as they've been going and sharing the gospel and a church has been planted there. Acts chapter 13, verse number 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manan, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. And I want to pause there in verse number one, leave that up there because I want you to see these names of these leaders of this young church in Antioch. And so we see these different guys here. We see Barnabas. We've heard about him before. If you've been a part of the book of Acts or you've been listening in, uh, we've heard of him before. Barnabas was a guy that was so radically changed that the apostles changed his name. His name was originally Joseph. He uh, converted to Christianity and decided to follow Jesus. He was a Jew, but he was so changed he was so changed that they changed his name. And one of the reasons why they called him Barnabas is because he was so encouraging. And that's what the word Barnabas or the name Barnabas means. He was an encourager. He was an encourager. I don't know about you, but I love encouragers. Why? Because they encourage me, right? We like to hang around with encouragers, don't we? I wish I was more of an encourager. If you want, encourage me to be more of an encourager. Did you catch that? Encouragement's a catchy thing. So they changed his name. He was obviously, too, according to Scripture, a very generous man. Then we have Simeon, who, uh, according to Scripture here, was a black man. And we know how skin color affects us even to this day. It just does. Like, it's how we, uh, it affects how we view people. It definitely did in that day. So we've got this Jew and we've got this black man. And then it goes on to say that we've got 
Lucius from Cyrene, who is from an island across uh, the sea there. So he's kind of an island guy. He is over here now. And Manan, which we'll call Manny, all right, we'll shorten that up a little bit. Catch this about Manny. Manny grew up, he was the childhood friend, very likely lived in the same household, kind of grew up almost like a foster kid in the same home of King Herod Antipas. You're like, that's pretty cool. He grew up in a king's house. It's not so cool when you start realizing the kind of guy that King Herod Antipas was. Any of you grow up with some um, kind of crazy, wild people? Yeah, and they're still kind of crazy and wild today. And people are like, oh, you grew up with so-and-so. And you're like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that was me. And here's what they know. If you hung out with them, you probably did the same things they did, right? You were there. You, you, you watched or instigated or participated, right? You were there. Well, this guy grew up with King Herod Antipas. Let me give you just a couple of things about King Herod Antipas to give you an idea of what kind of guy this guy was. He was the guy that had John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, killed. He lopped his head off and put it on a platter, no joke, not making this stuff up, and gave it to his wife because she requested John the Baptist's head on a platter. And King Herod Antipas didn't bat an eye. He got it done. And if you read the reasons why his wife convinced him to do it, it even gets crazier and messier and wilder. It's just wild stuff. And now we've got this guy who grew up with that guy. And Manan or Manny. And now he's a follower of Jesus, and he's a leader in one of the churches there in Antioch. Just wild stuff. And then you got Saul. And we know a little bit about Saul if we're followers of Jesus. If you don't know about Saul, the video kind of introduced you a little bit. Saul was this guy who was this devout Jew who hated Jesus, hated the Christians to the point that he thought he was doing God a favor by trying to destroy Christianity. He didn't think Jesus was God's son. He didn't think that he was the Messiah. He didn't think that he was the Savior. And so he literally went from house to house, kicking in doors, hauling people out to be arrested, persecuted, and maybe even killed. That's what Saul did for a living for quite a while of his life. But on the road to Damascus, where he was going to destroy more Christians, God came down, appeared to him in a bright light, blinded him, and Saul realized that Jesus was the Son of God. Saul realized that everything that he was doing was sinful, gave all of his sin to God, trusted in Jesus. His life was forever changed. And now we find him being one of the leaders in the church. And now we put these guys together, this collection of men who have been forever and radically changed, who are really different, crazy different backgrounds, coming together, the walls of hostility being broken down, the church through the gospel of Jesus Christ being made one. And we see this church in Antioch just on fire for Jesus with these men at the helm, these men leading, these men helping them go together. Now I want to pause here for just a moment. And I want you to think about, in particular, these two guys that we would agree are um, crazy and wild in their background, uh, Manan or Manny and Saul. Some of you in this room may actually think that you have sinned too much, that you have gone too far, that you have been too wild, that you have been too crazy, that you have out yourself from serving God. I heard a pastor say this the other day. He said, some of you give yourselves way too much credit, and you think you're a better sinner than what you are. 
Because if that's what you're thinking right now, you actually think that your sin is greater than the gospel of Jesus, and it's not. I don't know what you have done. I don't know where you have been. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what you've been thinking and what you've been a part of, but here's what I do know. No matter what that is or those things are, the gospel of Jesus that they couldn't get over is big enough, powerful enough, Jesus can forgive you, cleanse you, make you right and make you new and put you into the service of God and use you greater than you could ever even imagine. So if your excuse is, I've done too many bad things to do anything great for God, it's a bad excuse because we see biblical example after biblical example of people's lives being changed and then serving him. How many of you would have voted for Manny to be one of your pastors? How many would have voted for Saul to be one of your pastors? I look pretty good right now, don't I? I mean, I mean, honestly. But see, that's not why I'm telling you this. Here's the deal. I say this to encourage me, and I say this to encourage you, that grace can change all of us so that God can use us to pour out more grace on more people so they can be changed. This whole thing called Christianity, it's not about me and my good works and people thinking well of me. It's not about you and your good works and people thinking well of you. It's about people's sin and them being forgiven of it and giving a home in heaven for eternity. That's what it's all about. It's about the name of Jesus. It's about the name of Jesus. So if our sin is great, then what? Our Savior is even greater And so Saul and Manny and Barnabas, they were just teaching this incredible work and gospel of Jesus. Look at verse number 2. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have. I want you to notice this word called them. So they're worshiping. I don't know if they're worshiping collectively, kind of like we did today with the whole church when this happened, or if they were kind of having a staff meeting, if you will, and they were in the Word of God, and they were worshiping. It says they were fasting, so they were doing away with food, uh, so they could uh, just spend more time with God. Maybe it was lunchtime, and the rest of us were eating our, you know, turkey sandwich, and these guys were hanging out with Jesus. It was that kind of moment for them. I'm not saying they did this every day. I'm not saying they were these ultra-spiritual guys. But this moment, they were having a great moment with God to the point that the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said to them that he has called Barnabas and Saul to a special work. He has called them. He has called them. Look at verse number 3. So after more fasting and prayer... The men laid their hands on them, meaning Barnabas and Saul, soon to be Paul, and sent them on their way. So two of their top leaders in the church, I don't know about you, but if you're like, who would you like to hear preach if you could hear anybody preach that's ever lived? Saul would be at the top of my list. Paul, he'd be at the top of my list. I don't know how it worked in those days. I don't know if they did like uh, multiple gatherings a week where they preached. I don't know if they did one gathering, but can you imagine two days, like football, like two days, you know? Barnabas does round number one and Saul does round number two. Can you imagine that one two punch of Barnabas and Saul preaching? Trust me, if Barnabas and Saul were here this morning, I would not be holding the mic. Okay? One of those guys would be preaching. And they picked those two guys because God told them to. And sent them on their way. Do you think the church felt the impact of that? Everybody say, yeah. 
uh, this is kind of risky here, but let's say we take your favorite two Holland Chapel pastors. This is kind of risky. Your favorite, Nick just went ahead and stood up. He's gone. Look at that guy. Oh, man. Woo. It is worth noting that he has been going on vacation all week, and I haven't seen him to this morning. That was not planned. That is in his heart. I was going to say, I probably don't make that list. But think about your favorite two. And what if we were to say, hey, those two are leaving here because they need to go there to do something else for Jesus. Would we feel the impact of that? I bet some of us just flat out wouldn't like it. Now, if my name was on the list, some of you maybe celebrated. I don't know. But I think at the end of the day, we'd be like, I don't, I don't like this. This is not good. This can't be God's idea. What are they thinking? What are our pastors up to? What are they doing right now? Are they trying to, like, crash us and burn us? No, they'd heard from God. They'd heard from God. Look on now, verse number four. Nick, you've got me way off track right now. Verse number four. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit so important, the Holy Spirit was all over this deal. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. And so these guys are getting on a boat, and they literally, I mean, they are leaving the country, and they're going. And we see the beginning of what we now call Paul's first missionary journey. And as we continue throughout the book of Acts, we're going to see about 40 different cities Mentioned in the book of Acts where these guys are going from city to city to city, sharing the gospel, starting churches, setting up pastors, and moving forth. Now, as we think about what's happening here in Antioch and them feeling it, do you think the word uncomfortable might describe the feelings of the church at this point? How about Saul and Barnabas? You think they're uncomfortable? Yeah. How about those pastors who were used to having them around? They don't get to have them around anymore to help them lead. Yeah, absolutely uncomfortable. Do you think the word scary applies? Sure. Risky? Absolutely. How about the word faith? And how about these two words? Worth it. Worth it. I say yes. I say worth it. Because I say we are sitting here today, gathered in the name of Jesus, because of the obedience of these pastors and this church as they listen to the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, I want to give you um, three things that um, two of them I think are true, and then one of them is a question for you, okay? First one's this God is speaking. I believe that with all of my heart. God is speaking. You mean like God's like with a voice, like saying things to us today? No, I'm talking about louder than that. I believe that God, through His Word, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, is still our commandment and commission from Jesus. The last words of Jesus are still our marching orders today. God is speaking to us. He is speaking to us as a church. He's speaking to us as pastors. He's speaking to us as individuals. He's speaking to us as dads. He's speaking to us as moms. He's speaking to us as students. He's telling us what he wants us to do. He is speaking. The second thing I would say to you that I believe is true, that we've got to grasp and get and know, and that is this. 
We have opportunities. We have opportunities. You have people in your life. You have situations in your life. You have circumstances in your life. You have platforms in your life. And by platforms, that means God has set you up in a place for you to speak, for other people to listen to you. God has given you platforms. For some of you, it may be big rooms of people where he's given you a platform. For some of you, it's the same room with one other person. And they are listening to you right now. They are hearing you. They are ready to hear something life-changing from you right now. We have opportunities. And as Americans, we probably have more opportunities than anybody else on the face of the earth. Do you understand that day? No Bill of Rights. When Saul kicked in their doors, nobody says, you don't have the right to do that. Yes, he did. He could do whatever he wanted to do. And here we are with all the freedom that we have, all the money that we have, all the ability to travel today and go and do. And we have our passport that says we're a United States of American citizen and we can go forth and we have opportunities. Opportunities. God is speaking. We have opportunities. And here's the question. Will we have the faith to answer? Will we have the faith to answer? Um, when we think about calls and we think about answering, here's something that would be of interest to you. They say today that over 80% of phone calls go to voicemail. And some of you are like, huh, I've noticed a lot of people not answering the phone lately. Over 80% of phone calls go to voicemail. Listen to this. How many times do you call, it sends you directly to voicemail, and then the voicemail tells you, I'm sorry, but the voicemail you're trying to reach is already full. And then you really get frustrated, right? They didn't answer. Now I can't leave a message. goes further. This is from about four years ago, so I'm sure the numbers have just gone the other way. Only 33% only 33% of business voicemails are ever checked. So if a business calls me and they leave a voicemail, it says on average only 33% of those ever get checked. We normally, from a business voicemail, we hit delete. Now, it goes even further. We only check 18% of voicemails that come from numbers that we don't know. Unknown number, we don't answer it, right? Right? You, you see unknown, you don't answer it. It goes to voicemail, they leave a voicemail. Unknown neighbor, unknown a name leaves a voicemail. You, you do what most people do, you delete it. You delete it. God is speaking. I believe that today he is calling, and I believe what is happening within our phones today is very true of how we treat God. Over 80% of the time, maybe higher, when he calls, we're like, I'll just let it go to voicemail. And then only a few times do we check the voicemail. And for some of us, God is an unknown number. So we don't even check it. He's speaking. We have opportunities, but we're wasting it all because we're not answering. We're not hearing it, and therefore not responding. So here's where we go today. We're like, hey, if you really want to get in touch with me, just what? Just, just text me. Right? And that's the way we're kind of moving today. 
some of the people that are maybe on up in age a little bit higher than some of the rest of us, uh, or some of the rest of us, yeah? Like, you may be like, yeah, I don't like to text. I just want to make a phone call and then answer the phone. I get it. I'm with you. But people are just text me. But here's what happens when we text. We get about 45 texts that day. How much time do we have to respond? All those texts. And here's what happens a lot of times. We'll see somebody a couple weeks later, hey, man, got your text. So sorry I didn't respond. I texted you back in my head. Happened to me a couple weeks ago. It did. Walked up to me, and I'm like, I do it too. I do it too. How many times has God text us? Oh, wait a minute. Because he knows we're not very good at answering voicemail, so he left us like a big, long text. And we're like, oh, yeah, I got that. I got that. And, and I answered you in my head. Man, I heard that guy, and I'm like, yeah, we got to do something about that. Man, they need the gospel. Yeah, I'm going to pray for them. Yeah, I'm going to do something kind for them. Yeah, I'm going to give. Yeah, I'm, I'm, And in my head, I've done it, but we haven't really done anything. Will we have the faith to answer him when he calls, because I believe that he's still calling. Here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want you to grasp. Here's what I want you to just really wrestle with. We need to listen. We need to listen, and we need to do it with open ears, open hearts, and open hands. You're like, well, what's he going to tell me? Like, what's God going to, like, ask me to do? Well, there's some things that I'm really clear, according to the text, <laughs> It was funny. This is when you laugh. It's okay to laugh in church when it is funny. You're like, that wasn't that funny. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> According to the text, he's made some things really, really clear. Okay? Now, there's some specific things that he wants you to do and he wants me to do and he wants us to do that I believe that he's going to use his Holy Spirit and his word and circumstances and maybe even people to help us realize what it is. But when we say, what's he going to tell me to do? I mean, all of a sudden we're like, yeah, this is uncomfortable. Like he hadn't even told me what to do yet, and I'm kind of like uncomfortable. Like is God going to tell me to do something like right now? Should we just go ahead and, should we go ahead and leave? You need to go to the bathroom? Hey, you need to go to the bathroom? You need to go, let's go, right? Go ahead and leave now so we don't hear it, so we don't have to respond to it because we're uncomfortable with even like listening to God speak to us maybe, much less having to respond to him. Oh, how our ears need to be open. This is, I'm talking to believers right now, listen to me. This is the God who sent his one and only son named Jesus to die for your sin. I would argue that that gives him to the right to speak to us and tell us whatever he wants, whenever he wants to. That God, he's speaking to us and we need to listen to him. With open ears, open hearts, and open hands. Here's one thing I've figured out. In my life of following Jesus, which has not been perfect, and a lot of grace, and a lot of redirection, and a lot of whoops, and a lot of oh no's, and a lot of yep, I disobeyed you there. And, but here's, here's what I've learned. God is really, really kind when he speaks to us. And he is really, really kind in what he asks us to do. Uncomfortable, absolutely. Scary, absolutely. Risky, absolutely. Take a lot of faith to do it, absolutely. Worth it every single time. Every single time. And so I want to just encourage us as a church, as a whole, 
to listen to God with open ears, with open hearts, and with open hands. But there's some stuff that we like hanging on to, don't we? There's some stuff as a church that we like to hang on to. No, that's ours. No, we get that. that. No, no, this is ours. No. There's some things as families that we're like, nope, that one's, that's, this, one, this one's ours, God, right here. This one's ours. God says, I want your ears open. I want your hearts open. And here's one thing we'll find. If our ears get open and our hearts get open and we hear from God, the next thing we'll do very gladly is we'll open our hands. God's not going to pry your hands open. He's speaking to your heart through your ears so that your heart will open first. And the natu- So if your hands are tight right now for God, your heart's probably closed towards him too. And very likely your ears are closed to him. And yet he's speaking to us. If we don't have open ears and open hearts and open hands, we'll, we'll miss out. We'll miss out. Let me just share a few things with you. And this is like such a small snapshot. And there are those of you in the room that have been here longer than I have. You could, you could list off a bunch of other really great and really cool stuff. Let me just give you a quick, quick little idea here about us as a church, Holland Chapel. Holland Chapel, listen to me, has historically taken risk by having faith to do things that were out of the box for the gospel's sake. Do you realize that's how this church got started? Somebody did something that was just out of the box. A pastor by the name of Holland said, you know what, let's throw a revival outside. That makes a lot of sense, right? And let's preach the gospel on the west side of town There's churches over there, but there's a lot of people over here, and let's see what happens. Let's take a risk. What's the risk? Nobody shows up. What's the risk? Everybody thinks you're an idiot. What's the risk? Like, it just falls flat on its faith. There's all kinds of risk, and yet, by faith, so let's do it. Out of which people were saved, out of which a church was born. This church met in random locations like homes for a little while, but they outgrew that. My understanding, and I heard a story about it the other day, is they used to uh, meet in a building that just got tore down right over here that used to be the skating rink. Let's go to church at the skating rink. That makes a lot of sense, right? That fits the box, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. But if that's what God leads you to do and that's the opportunity he gives you and you answer it, God blesses. Holland Chapel has put on various different spectacular programs and musicals. Why? To get the gospel out there. HC has done programs like Awana, which probably today you're like, well, Awana's Awana. What's the big deal? Listen, when Awana first kind of came around, like a lot of churches are like, oh, you can't be doing Awana. You just can't do that now. I'm serious. I grew up in those days. I remember. And this church said, no, we want to reach more kids. And so they said, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. HC has planted churches in several places throughout the United States. HC sent one of our very own, and I'll just follow it up and say one of our very best, in Todd Calloway. I don't know if he's better than Nick or not. That's a whole nother thing that just happened. Todd was in my notes. You weren't. Um, I'll let them have that out. I think you know which one they think is best out of that deal. Uh, maybe we'll let their mama decide. Anyway, she's like, I don't want the middle there. Um, we sent out one of our very best. And now there's a church in Cleveland. Cleveland needs Jesus. Other places need Jesus. We've helped send missionaries around the world. 
Now, I say all that, and there's so much more that could be said, but it's not a time for us today to sit around and pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, look what we have done. We've taken risks. We've been full of faith. This is a time to say, nope, we've done that. Now let's take more. God, what are you telling us today? What are you calling us to? What are you leading us to do? We will do it. And I just want to encourage you for just a moment. I don't know if you know this or not, but your pastors pray, pray, pray a lot to consider what God wants us to do next. I don't consider myself to be a Barnabas or a Saul, but I do consider myself and the group of men that God has given this church to lead it to be God-called men to lead his church. And we don't take that lightly. And there are times that we set aside food and we pray, like, God, what do you want? And I'll just be frank with you. Sometimes God tells us to do things that are uncomfortable for us, risky for us, hard for us, don't know if we want to do it or not. But we do our best to say yes. And we ask you as a church to trust us as we trust him and hear his voice too from his word so that we can move forward and accomplish the things that he wants us to do. So what are we going to do to fulfill the final command of Jesus to get the gospel into the entire world? Let me tell you some things we're doing right now. Okay, that have been the result of us listening, God saying do this, and we're part of it, and just amazing things are happening. We are in the midst of helping plant a church in Indianapolis. John Lau and team are planting a church there. I about fell off the stage. That's what you get when you walk around. <clears throat> I think the mic there threw me off or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's his second church that he's planting. The first church that he planted is doing great uh, there's a pastor there by the name of Rashad Cunningham, just an incredible guy, continuing to lead the church there. Um, John and his team are planting. They're going to launch this fall. They are on a trajectory. They are on a path to plant that church with over 200 people. That's what is happening, and that's what we're praying towards, and God is moving, and God is working, and we are heavily, financially, and prayerfully invested in what is going on there. We're in the process of planting a church in Peru that you're going to hear a lot about in September. We're going to get to be a part of that by helping them build a facility. And in that facility, we're going to get them to help. We're going to get to help uh, love on kids through compassion. And we are going to be able to sponsor kids. It's just going to be phenomenal. We're going to tell you so much more about that coming soon. And that is in process. And we're so excited about that. I don't know how many churches are being planted in India right now because of what's going on over there. It's just happening. These guys got to go over there not long ago, and it's just God just moving, and we're part of that. We're part of that. We're investing heavily with our prayers and our finances and other places. There's a little concert we do out back that's coming around the corner called Amplify. And as you know, it's bigger than us. It's not Holland Chapel's baby, but it was birthed here. It was birthed here. And I love when John, uh, excuse me, Josh, uh, I love when he tells this story. I love when he tells the story of standing up to ask for, was it 10, 10 grand? What was the original money? 25, excuse me, I went way low, sorry. When he stood up and asked for $25,000 from the church to start Amplify. I love him telling that story because he's like, I didn't think it was going to go. When's the last time you asked for $25,000, right? But you guys said, you know what? I don't think there's a box for that, but we feel like God's in it, and so let's do it. And last year, thousands upon thousands upon thousands gathered in this field and worshiped, and thousands heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's going to happen again next month in the month of August. 
as pastors, we are really right now working hard, praying hard, planning hard on creating a much greater focus on discipleship in our church. And we're like, yay, discipleship. And then we're like, hey, we want you to follow Jesus. And like, oh, right? Discipleship's not easy, but we're going to lead you towards it over and over again. We, this, is, this is what Jesus left us here to do. Now, what do we need to do? And I'm going way over time, and I'm just going to, like, just say sorry. Um, not to you guys, because you guys are in the air conditioning. You're getting, like, an extra 20 minutes of child care right now. Life's good. My wife's over there serving, and i got to go home with her. So let me rethink this really quick. All right, what do we need to do? I knew I was going to go long today, and I didn't try to, but what do we need to do? Like, what's, what's coming? So that we can fulfill the final command of Jesus here in our city and in other parts of the world. Whatever these things are, here's what I know. We have to listen. Not to our voice, not to our wants, not to our desires, but to the Holy Spirit of God that I believe is still speaking today. We are not going to press the pause button. We are going to hit go. When God tells us to do something, we will take risk by faith, believing God has told us to do it, and believe that through all the uncomfortableness that comes with it and everything else, that it's going to be worth it. There are several things in front of us that we are praying about and listening for. Okay? We are praying hard about planting another church. We have been financially getting prepared to do it, and we've been praying, God where and God who and God when and God where. What do you want? Like, speak to us. Speak to us. We have been praying a ton about how to help our church grow. And there's a lot of simple answers to that, like how to help your church grow. But there's some hard answers to it as well. Okay? There's some hard answers to it. It's July 1st. There are about 350 people that regularly attend our church who are probably on vacation today. And I hope they enjoy every minute of it. And I say that with all, like, respect for them. Go and enjoy. Great. It's good. But it's July 1st. It's July 1st. And we are quite full in this room. Balcony's got a little bit of room, but balcony's representing today just a little bit up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, don't, don't think the balcony's, like, disconnected. They're like, they're, like, in it to win it. You know what I'm saying? They're up there. Yeah. All right. So, you know, hard decisions start coming into play, right? I mean, we could just go with this route. We'll let people sit in your lap. Somebody like, that doesn't sound good. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, maybe some of the other options you're going to struggle with as well, but we're going to figure it out. We're going to listen to God. We're going to take risk. We're going to obey. We're going to have faith, and we're going to do it, believing God's going to bless. And just so you know, that anything we do as a church that's uncomfortable for you, listen to me carefully, is probably more uncomfortable for your pastors. It's probably more uncomfortable for your pastors. So we're figuring that out, and we're praying. Again, as I said earlier, we're working on how to better disciple our church. We're in the midst of trying to figure out, like, what do we need to do with facilities? Like, is expansion in our future? And just a quick update on that. Um, we hired a company called The Golf Company, and they were stellar. They just brought us all kinds of incredible information about ourselves and our facilities and our finances and our church as a whole. And uh, we've been digesting all of that as pastors and your uh, long-range planning committee. 
we haven't come to any conclusions yet. We've gotten the final from them now, and we've got to meet again and pray again and do away with some food and ask God what he wants. And here's the deal. Like, if I right now, and like, just if, that's if, if I right now said, like, we're going to build a new building, probably everybody in the room would be like, yeah. And then I'd tell you how much it costs, and you'd be like, oh. And then we'd start talking about what it's going to feel like and what it's going to look like. And some of you would be like, ah. And some of you would be like, ah. Right? So here's the deal. we got to be ready to listen to God. What do you want? This is not about us. This is not about us getting more comfortable. This is about your church moving forward. This is about reaching more people for your kingdom. This is not about our pastors looking good or our church looking good. Or This is about reaching more people for the kingdom. That's what it's all about. Some words that will describe what it will be like when we obey. Hard, uncomfortable, scary, risky. Go, faith, and worth it. I don't know what God's speaking to your family about right now, like your family. But it may be some things that involve those kind of words. Maybe you're trying to figure out what to do with your job or kids with school or maybe buying a different house or a different car or selling something. or I don't know what God's talking to you about right now, but if you listen to him, you're going to feel all of those things. But I'm here to tell you in the end, if you obey him, it will be worth it.